0: Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And we've got a returning guest today who first appeared back in September 2021, which was episode 172. So I do encourage you to uh, go back and listen to that after you've obviously listened to this. So we have Paul Johnson, who's the CEO of Power Metal Resources, who a London listed junior miner exploring and developing large scale base and precious metal deposits, Um, across Australia, Canada, US, Africa, uh, and probably many other um, jurisdictions around the world. Um, Paul is um, a chartered accountant by background and is an experienced public director in the resources space um, and has been in executive positions with companies like um, Metal Tiger, ECR Minerals, um, and Greatland Gold. So Paul's on the podcast to give us an update on many things that have been happening with Power metal Resources and some of their um, other companies that they're involved in. So that's welcome, Paul, to the podcast. Hey, then, Paul.
1: Yeah, very good. Thanks, Rob. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for We're actually recording this on a Friday. So, yeah, can't be bad. Weekend around the corner. Um, and what a wonderful time to have a conversation with yourself. So, wondered if you can, for those that di- didn't um, listen to the uh, previous podcast, like I said, encourage you to go and listen to it. I wonder if you just give us a quick overview of yourself and your background.
1: Yes, sure. Uh, Robert, you're, you're quite right. I'm a chartered accountant uh, and uh, I've been one for 25 years. Uh, I used to work in forensic accountancy and migrated my way into investing in junior resource shares quite a while ago. And uh, through that, uh I eventually became a director of ECR Minerals back in 2012, just after my 10-year-old son was born. I remember it distinctly. And uh, since then, I've been on the board of seven or eight companies, I think, in the London uh, market, uh, across uh, uh, different uh, exchanges, uh, all in the natural resource space. And it's been a fantastic uh, 10 years, uh, lots of challenges along the way. Five or six of these big dips, as we're experiencing now, have been through. Uh, you do get a bit tired of it after a while, you know, when the sector goes up and then it comes right back down again. And uh, just looking forward to this uh, power metal opportunity that we've built over the last three years. So it seems to be pretty well set now for, uh, for the next uplift. Yeah. Well, didn't give us, uh, the audience, um, that journey
0: over the last two, uh, three years of yeah. power metal resources.
1: Yeah, sure. I got told off the other day, actually, because I did a presentation and said that three years ago, uh, when it was called African Battery Metals, uh, the the company was uh, suspended pending financial clarification, and uh, I came into the business uh, with uh, Andrew Bell, and uh, we refinanced and restructured the company back in Feb 19. And at the time, we had three projects in Western Central Africa, in the DRC, Cameroon and the Ivory Coast. And the company uh, ran out of money back in late 18. We put a million pounds in with, uh, of investor money in uh, early 19. And we set about looking at the original projects, bringing in new opportunities. Uh, and we've really gone on a growth spurt and built the business over the last three years. So now, uh, or as of yesterday, shall we say, we had uh, circa 14, 15 interests across three continents, targeting 10 metals, lots of different projects. Uh, lots of different geologies, commodities, uh, geographies. Uh, we did that deliberately. Uh, we said we were going to build the portfolio when market conditions were tough and difficult, and we've done that. And we said that uh, over a period of time, we would start to crystallize elements of the portfolio, and we're doing that. Uh, and then we would start to focus our internal uh, exploration efforts on a narrower list of projects so that we could start to articulate more fully our enthusiasm for various parts of the business internally uh, and uh, focus our management time which is the key thing and our financial resources uh, on uh, on a, a more limited portfolio which we're moving towards so that's the cycle of the business really a big explosion in exposure across the world start to put things onto the balance sheet as opposed to having them on a you know a direct project interest and uh, and then start to focus down on a, on a couple, two or three areas of our business.
0: Um, obviously, I want to speak to to you about a few of the entities that you have. Um, but before I do that, I wondered if you can just give us an, a, a quick update since we last um, recorded a podcast, which was in September 21, so probably the last eight, nine, ten months. I just wanted to give us an update. And I know you've been pretty busy. Yeah.
1: Okay. That, yeah, that requires me to have a good memory. September, uh, twenty twenty-one is when we did our first real crystallization deal, uh, where we sold our Hemlo Schreiber interest to First Class metals, who were planning to do an IPO in London at the time. Uh, They're very close to that, so we're looking forward to them coming on market, and we hold about thirty-six percent of them at the moment. And on IPO, we'll hold a little less in the twenties, but you know we're we're uh, we'll have a big exposure. So our crystallization started when we spoke last, really. Uh, Since then, we uh, launched the uh, pre-IPO process for Golden Metal Resources, our package in Nevada, USA, where we hold circa 83% at the moment. Again, on IPO, it will be less than that, but it will still be a very significant percentage. And uh, that's gone pretty much largely through the pre-IPO process. Uh, So looking forward to that listing in in due course. I have to use the term planned listings for these things because it's market convention that until something is a done deal, you don't assume it is. But don't take anything away from that. Uh, The uh, first development resources, uh, since September, we've completed the acquisitions of all the different project interests. We've uh, uh, started the IPO process. We raised 1.125 million into that vehicle recently. Uh, and now that's going through the process for a listing in London. Some major targets in uh, the uh, Western Australia, uh, Javier on Greatland Gold style magnetic bullseye targets for deep uh, undercover gold copper mineralization, and uh, also uh, the Celta projects in the Northern Territory that's prospective for uranium rare earths, uh, lithium, that kind of thing. So, nice package, and it's going through its process now. Uh, Back since September, we've had lots of licenses granted in the new Ballarat Gold Package in Victoria, Australia. We've got 49.9% of that with Red Rock, our partner. Major steps forward on that package. Very excited about that. Uh, Exploration-wise in our business, we've uh, done multiple drill programs. We had some extra results from Malopo after when we spoke last. Uh, I think it was after, which uh, demonstrated up to 1.7% nickel in uh, drill cores from uh, the first drill program. Uh, Since then, we've uh, done a deal to acquire a much larger percentage of that project. We're very excited about that one. Uh, Tarty Goldfields in Botswana, we've done drilling, and we got uh, a concentrated set of gold results from one license area. Found out that the, uh, the system that we were targeting ran into another unstaked area of ground, so we took another license out, which we've been awarded. So we're looking forward to taking that one forward. And I suppose, uh, without boring your audience to death too much, a big part of our business that's really come on since September has been our uranium, where we've uh, secured a very large project uh, package, seven properties in the Athabasca Basin area in Canada, uh, 450 square kilometres of ground. Very, very prospective for uranium, right in the heart of a major uranium area, and uh, you know, we're we're looking to build that uranium package as we go forward. So it is, our business, as you can see, is uh, has a lot of different elements to it. It will simplify over the coming months with more crystallization events. Uh, things effectively going on to our balance sheet where we have financial assets in natural resource exploration opportunities. And I'd like to build that up so we have a diverse portfolio. And our business will morph into more, uh, specific exploration activities across a, a more limited number of projects.
0: I wonder if you just tell us a little bit more about, obviously, Uranium, the more recent um, obviously, sure. acquisition and, uh, obviously, licenses that you've uh, obtained. Just wanted to tell you a little bit more about what, what you're doing there
1: yeah we uh, we went into uranium starting september 21 we've been watching it for months and months and we noticed that Sprott started to buy sprot uranium trust started to buy up a large amount of uranium incre- helping to increase the price there's a lot of activity going on with green uh the green uh, you know economies and uh, thinking about uranium nuclear sorry nuclear power is a uh, a green te- uh, energy source which it is and uh there was, uh, you know, an increasing amount of activity, new power stations uh, uh, slated. And we thought back in September, we we thought we need to move quickly. So with the benefit of all the work we had done in preparation, we went and staked a whole heap of ground in the Athabasca or surrounding the Athabasca in Canada. Uh, since then, we've uh, we've taken on as part of first development resources, the CELTA project, which is, uh, you know, targeting uranium and we've signed a deal to potentially uh, go into Togo uh, uranium exploration as well. Uh, we, there's the very few vehicles listed in London that have a focus on uranium. We think it's uh, 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 it's one of those areas that it goes a long time, the uranium sector, without too much life. And then when it comes to life, and you do get a few indicators, as we've had recently, when it comes to life, it can be quite a dramatic uh, sector for investors. I'll give you an example. Back uh, in 2006-07 was the, you know, the last big uranium boom. Uh, the price went up to, I think, circa $140 a pound for uranium. Uh, and uh, many companies, I mean, very many companies, uh, mainly in calendar, of course, went up 10 times, some 100 times, some 1,000 times on the back of uh, the big uranium run. And we think, we think, and we could be wrong, but we think that's coming, coming again. So we wanted to position ourselves Because, you know, we want to make a lot of money for our investors. Uh, We are investors ourselves. Uh, You know, uh, a couple of the board members have uh, shareholdings. So we are aligned uh, and we have options and warrants and that kind of thing in the business. So if we can make it outperform, it's good. And uh, one of the biggest sectors for outperformance uh, has got to be uh, uranium.
0: Yeah, and I agree with there. Uh, obviously, I interview a lot of people on this uh, podcast, and interviewed quite a few people in the uranium sector. Um, and I think, from what I can tell, um, obviously there's a, there's a, uh, a supply issue, which all the uh, um, basically the, the all all of the, the uranium, I suppose, in the world for what is needed in the future they're dwindling down their reserves. Um, and the thing is that everyone is waiting for the price to basically increase before they can then move into production um, and build some uranium mines. So that's that's what I see. Um, and it's just waiting for that price uh, to, so I hear, right, get to about sort of $70, $70 $75 as a, um, as a price where then people will then start constructing mines um, and there seems to be a handful out there, um, and there is still a lot more needed.
1: So, yeah. Um, it's- yeah, The minimum price of production to, to make many projects viable, you hear different figures say sixty, seventy, eighty dollars uh, per pound. We we had quite a disruption with the Fukushima incident, uh, you know, ten years ago that 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 really caused a whole heap of problems. Uh, a lot of nations shut down nuclear power uh, as an option for them. Lots of uh, uranium contracts had to be dumped on the market. Uh, So many different factors affecting it. So it's been in in quite a slump for quite some time. When it comes back, of course, it it won't just go back to that price that justifies reopening of mines or development of mines. It will go through it. It always does. These commodities, they slingshot through. They go to a much higher level. There is potentially a factor here that, that it won't quite be the boom and bust type scenario of the past or bust and boom, uh, it will have some longevity to it because the world seems to be moving down the green energy route and that suggests more power stations being nuclear rather than uh, using other energy sources. It's, uh, it looks good for the space. So I do think we have a chance of a major and rapid revaluation in Uranium Juniors or companies with Uranium interests. That's why we're positioning ourselves there. I think it has potential for longevity, so not just a quick spike up and then a, a pull back. And uh, and that's good from a business perspective because you don't really want to position yourself just in a spike scenario. You know, you want to have some longevity to your company. Uh, and something uh, like is emerging in the uranium space is, is perfect for us.
0: I know a lot of progress has been made with the uh, first development uh, resources since we last spoke. Um, yeah. just wanted to give us a, a more in-depth overview of uh, what's happening
1: with those guys yeah sure first development is a company that we uh, uh we just as i say raised 1.125 million for pre-ipo uh the spin outs we like them to be self-financing so pre-ipo raises are useful for that uh they uh back in 2021 we engaged with uh first Development australia they had some interesting uh projects in western australia and uh, we, we've continued to work on those projects technically for the last uh, year, 18 months, and uh, we've put some uh, you know, decent amount of money into uh, doing exploration work as much as we could before the licenses were granted. Uh, we've identified a number of magnetic bullseye targets, which are the type of uh, geological target that uh, the Javier uh, deposit that Greatland Gold found, which led to their share price increasing you know, to 38 pence. Um, I did that deal with Metal Target integrating back in uh, 2016 at 0.1 pence. So, you know, that was a 380 bagger, if that's the right phrase. Uh, So similar to Javier on, I'm quite quite excited about those targets. We pretty much prepared everything for them. Now the next step is a drill program uh, post IPO or after IPO. Uh, then, in addition, we, we brought in CELTA, which is a, a large uh, circle, I think 1,700 square kilometres of ground in the Northern Territory over three licences, uh, and that's uh, uranium rare earths uh, and uh, and lithium and a variety of other things potentially within that ground. It's uh, just north northwest of uh, Arafura, that big Australian company's Nolans bore Rare earth deposit. And uh, offers uh, a great amount of potential. You know, we're interested to see if the uh, what they found at Northern's bore could be replicated in uh, Celta, but we'll see. Uh, all the licenses uh, underlying the two project batches, Western Australia and Northern Territory, have now been granted, uh, and that's been done since we last spoke. Uh, so pretty much, we're all set to go. We're, we're continuing the technical work in the background. Alongside the IPO process itself, and uh, looking forward to that one coming on the market, it's got a lot of interest from investors.
0: One if you, can just tell us a few um, about a few of the other um, entities under the Power Metal brand that you want to sort of tell the audience about. Um, that have probably um, done a lot of work, s- sort of beginning uh, since the since the beginning of this year.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, one of my favourites is Golden Metal Resources, and uh, we, I think. We've just done the initial acquisition agreement uh, for Golder Metal's major project, which is the Pilot Mountain project in Nevada, uh, USA. Uh, Golder Metal is uh, quite a way away through the listing process now, and uh, you know we're, we're looking forward to that coming on market. Its central flagship interest is Pilot Mountain, which is uh, a large uh, tungsten-focused uh, resource. It also has copper, zinc, and silver. Uh it's in the heart of super-safe uh, mining territory in Nevada, uh, one of the best jurisdictions in the world. Uh, the uh, that we believe there is significant potential to increase the size of the resource. Tungsten is interesting. It's not a metal which many investors feel that familiar with, and it you know it often doesn't have much attention in the markets generally. But its price has been strong of late. And uh, there is a real need for tungsten around the world. Most of it historically came from China. And of course, you know, the uh, nations like the United States and others are really seeking uh, secure homeland uh, uh, deposits, you know, so that they can produce their own metals. Now, uh, tungsten is on the strategic uh, or critical minerals list uh, from the U.S. Geological Survey. Uh, North America, well, USA does not produce uh, their own tungsten from mines. They recycle, they import, they use various kind of techniques like that to supply the tungsten requirements. Uh, And uh, Pilot Mountain is one of the uh, largest, if not the largest known undeveloped uh, deposit in the United States. So we, uh, and it's, it's, uh, you know, a a great strong uh, proposition uh, just at the right time when uh, America is looking for homeland security of assets. So, very excited about, uh, about that one. We, uh, we, we've got uh, across the business in different jurisdictions in so many different uh, projects and interests. Uh, but since we last spoke, I, I think after September, we, uh, we, we put in some license applications in South Australia, for example, uh, in the Gaul or Creighton area. Uh, the, this is a very large uh, 2 uh, license application package. Uh, which covers uh, 1,994 square kilometres. Uh, and it's our business has so many elements to it. Gawler is one of those that people haven't heard much about uh, because they're applications, and generally speaking, we would more talk about those granted licences than we would talk about applications until the grant comes in. But we're quite excited about the potential there. So uh, where do you want me to stop? Uh, because, you know, we could... we Carry, we could, carry on. <laughs> Yeah. Our aim, our, our aim, Rob, has been uh, to 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 increase our portfolio over the years, uh, to take advantage of difficult market conditions when you can get good uh, projects in for sensible values. We've never uh, kind of done anyone over. We've always been fair and reasonable. Uh, and uh, when, once we we had that portfolio, to then uh, pivot to a degree, and to crystallise some of that uh, the the value in the portfolio, to put ourselves into. For example, equity holdings is the main in companies, uh, li- other companies. So through IPOs, we, we take a project interest and we effectively put it into a different uh, uh, status as a financial asset. Through the disposals, in it, as we've done today with regard to the Kanye joint venture back to Kavango, we take a, a significant equity exposure to Kavango shares in exchange for direct project interest. So we can build a diverse diverse portfolio of financial assets, which goes in our balance sheet and increases our strength as a business, which is great. Going forward over the coming weeks, months, and years, we want that balance sheet to grow. Uh, That will give us strength as, as a business, take the worries of finance away from investors, very important, because I think we're going to go into a boom in our space and people will forget about finance for a while. But there will come a time in the coming years when we go back into another trough. And at that stage, I want people to feel we're entirely st- strong as a business and they still don't need to worry about finance, even when the markets are dipping. Then we've uh, we made our strategy to start to pivot again and focus on a limited number of exploration projects in our own company. And we we have a problem here in that sense, because we've shown our uh, acquisition face for quite a few years now. and. Uh, And we're moving through the crystallization process. And, of course, in a difficult market, people question everything. So as they see us dispose of interest, uh, then they worry about, you know, are those interests not quite as good? You know, why don't you keep them in the portfolio? Well, it was never our intent to keep everything in the portfolio. Uh, Disposal is just swapping one form of holding for another. And that other is a financial asset, which, of course, if it performs well on the markets, then we can uh, crystallize a cash value from it, which is important for a business. Uh, And uh, if we just carried on as we were going before with an ever-growing portfolio, well, of course, if you're not careful, then uh, you put yourself in a perilous position. You have too many interests and you have to fund and finance them all. Uh, But uh, also you face the problem that people don't understand your business because it's becoming too unwieldy and nothing is of significance to people. Uh, so by focusing down on uranium, by focusing down on some of our big African interests in Botswana with Malopo Farms, nickel sulfide focused, and Tati gold focused, and a few other areas of our business, we can start to articulate more what we're doing uh, and get some more excitement and engagement from the investor base, whilst at the same time building that balance sheet and giving people comfort that we are a really strong business.
0: As a company, are you focusing more on the commodity or focusing more on the jurisdiction? Obviously, you'll probably consider both, but is there, would you say that you're looking more at a com- particular commodity, like you said, uranium, or are you looking at a particular
1: jurisdiction? We went for battery metals on the whole uh, as a start out. We were called African Battery Metals before we changed our name in uh, July 19 to uh, Power Metal Resources. Uh we went for a suite of battery metals uh, and uh, we, we, we really wanted to expose ourselves to, you know, to copper, nickel, uh, lithium and, uh, and make sure that uh, what, whichever one of those had a, a strong growth that we were exposed to. Uh, more recently in the development of the business, we started to build our gold interests. Uh, we see gold as a major major asset going forward to have uh, you know good quality strategic land targeting gold particularly in a in an environment where we know there's gold there so in the new Ballarat package where we have 49.9% we our license ground covers dramatic amounts of historic gold workings and now covers two pretty major gold producing high grade mines that stopped producing in the past but we we think there's a lot more gold still left to extract Uh, and we've also uh, moved into areas like silver with silver peak projects in British Columbia Canada Uh, so we're now uh, I would say that yeah our focus was was mainly on the commodity that's a fair point Uh, jurisdictionally we seem to have found ourselves focused on North America and uh, Australia which are the safe and, and Botswana in Africa Uh, So far, which, uh, you know, people are more familiar with uh, in in the London markets. Uh, And I I suppose there must be an element in our thought process of doing that. I've had great exposure uh, in Botswana before with the big T3 copper discovery that we made when I was CEO of Metal Tiger. Uh, I've seen the dramatic upside that Australian projects can provide Greatland gold is the best example. Uh, where, you know, you can go from literally 0.05, it was at the low in 2015, all the way to 38 pence, you know, five years later. Ah, oh, it's amazing. And I've had experience from the last cycle in 2008 to 11 of inve- when, when the sector starts to kick a bit, there's a big amount of interest from UK investors in North American projects. And I suspect that's because there aren't that many North American-focused uh, companies. So I've got a great uh, amount of interest in North America and the opportunities that provides for UK investors. Uh, so jurisdictionally, I think we've got a really nice mix, predominantly familiar destinations, with, with a few destinations that people perhaps are less familiar with, but we feel comfortable operating in as well. What are your thoughts on sort of mining equities recently um,
0: and sort of some of the big downturns in company valuations? Um, why do you think this is, in your opinion?
1: Oh, it's it's a cyclical space, Rob. It's, uh, it very much does go up and down, uh, stating the obvious there. <laughs> uh, the, the, what was it, Mark Twain's quote, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. Uh, you, you look at any asset class and it tends to experience this. Uh, one minute it can be flavour of the, the month, and then the next it can be crashing through the floor. Our space is an acute form of that. Uh, I look at my own share price. We, we, we went up quite dramatically from the COVID dip into the high of 3.5 or so pence in January, February 21. Then we found ourselves crashing all the way down to 0.8. Now, from a managerial perspective, I look at what we've done within the business. And our confidence and our focus has never, ever wavered. Uh, we uh, continue to push ahead with the business plan as we outlined pretty much from the beginning. And uh, I've done so many roles in this space across different market conditions, and five or six of these dips. This is probably the worst, by the way, that I've experienced. Uh, and I've seen that you know that that move up and down in valuation. So I'm kind of used to it. I get a lot of feedback from newer investors now. Uh, I think the COVID dip and the uh, people being at home brought a lot of new people into the market, which is a good thing. I, I feel for a lot of those people because. Our market, junior resources, uh, the venture exchanges around the world, uh, they, they can extract a lot of capital from people. You know, you, you become very, very confident when things are going well in the markets when the share prices are up. You can have, as John Teeling said to me uh, a few years ago when I went to see him back in 2011, and I'd had quite a strong portfolio performance up 200 times uh, in the natural resource space from 2009 to 11. And he said to me, be careful of being a master of the universe. And uh, I I didn't quite, you know, know what to to take from that. But I now know exactly what he means, that when you're riding high, you should probably sell 75% of your stock. And when you're riding low, you need to kind of think very carefully about your decisions. You can make the wrong calls. And I I get a lot of criticism now. I've done this for quite a while. I, I... uh, each deal each announcement the, everything i do attracts criticism at the moment it's a big indicator that we're at the bottom uh or pretty close to the bottom uh i, I have to stay reasonably resolute I, I don't ignore people investors i read all the different accounts you know social media accounts i read emails i try and get back to people as much as i can and take it all in but uh th- there is a, a need as a private investor in our space to be robust and focused and to not make knee-jerk decisions. Running a company, there's a, a similar need, you know, a junior resource company to stay focused and uh, and, to, and to, to deliver. Not necessarily for today, but for tomorrow and for, you know, a little down the road. When our sector comes back to life, I expect and I hope, of course, at the same time, that our, our share price and our valuation will go up in line with what we've achieved within the business. You know, we uh, own outright or control a large proportion of uh, a, a very large strategic projects, district-scale projects around the world. They range from very, very early stage, in some cases, not yet granted licences, hence the goal of Creighton, all the way through to, you know, the the one of the largest or the largest undeveloped tungsten deposits in the United States at a time when tungsten was critical for that nation. Uh, and all the way in between, there are different levels of, of projects. We've been quite responsible, and we've we've invested in exploration across pretty much all of our projects, all well, all of our projects, to to understand the geology better, to identify if our hopes for metal prospectivity were confirmed by real work. And we've been almost entirely successful. Not entirely, but it's been a you know an exceptional run of news that we've had within the business. About taking projects forward, uh, so we're really in the right place at the right time. We believe uh, it's not great for investors out there. It's not great for me and for the team. You know, our team have uh, options at three point two five p, predominantly, uh, with a hurdle that the share price has to get to five for. Uh, I think it's ten trading days before those options can be exercised. So our share price has to go up from point eight something to, uh, five pence for, uh, you know, a couple of weeks, uh, before those options become usable. So, you know, uh, I want, uh, my team is, is an incredible group of people. They're very buoyant. They're very bubbly. They've got lots of energy. They've done some incredible things in the last year or so. Uh, so we're confident and we're, we're focused. We think we're in the right place. We think we've got the right portfolio. We're starting to manipulate that portfolio into either value crystallization events or accelerated exploration. Uh, and what, what more can I say? You know, it's, it, we've got to stay resolute. Uh, and uh, we'll probably have a discussion in three months' time, six months' time, whenever. And the markets are going great guns, you know, and everyone will be happy. You know, it's funny, I don't get many suggestions from people when things are flying up. and When the share price is flying, you get nothing. I remember ECR Minerals a few years ago, 10, nine years ago. The share price was down to 0.08. Bit of a problem at the time, that, because uh, at 0.08, uh, we were below our par value, which was uh, 0.1. And so you, you couldn't really raise much money at that point. Uh, so we uh, we brought in a new project in the Philippines. We reinvigorated the share price, got things going, did various things to uh, bring the company back. I think at the start of thirteen, we had one million of debt that was re- that was repayable that year, or maybe a bit more than that. And uh, by the end of thirteen, uh, and our share price was point zero eight. And then by the end of thirteen, we uh, ended up with one million cash, no debt. Or something like that and uh, new project interest brought in and everything was firing and going great guns now it, i remember it went up from 0.08 to 0.72 pence uh, uh, and 0.72 pence was i don't know middle of the year and all the way up from 0.08 to 0.72 i had a few inquiries it wasn't that much as it was moving up but i was in tenerife when it switched and started going down. And I thought, i would go away to Tenerife for five days and have a bit of a break. And, it's, and it, lo and behold, I think on the Monday or something, it started to turn and it started going south. And my phone lit up. Relentless, uh, you know, uh, emails, messages and that kind of thing. And I was a bit surprised because I was a bit green at the time, I suppose, uh, the way everything suddenly switched. And and it's a little bit like that now with power. You know, we get a lot of suggestions and we take them all on, but our job is to focus and to deliver. You can't be too distracted uh, and uh, you've got to stick to your core focus. Yeah, certainly. And I'll take it that ruined your holiday. Yeah, it did. I got robbed as well when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so not pop.
0: So apart from the, the share price being robbed as well, you said you you got robbed yourself.
1: Yeah, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that, that's right, that's right. Well, we don't. It's uh, it's a funny old world, and uh, you know he, uh, directors are, uh, have the same experiences as the investors. I've been quite surprised at that actually. How uh, e- even though uh, you know I've been a private investor for years and I've experienced the sentiment of up and down markets, and. uh, you do actually get quite similar feelings uh, when you're running the companies. And I can't work out if it's because I'm a a large shareholder in power, uh, the largest notified holder at the moment in power. Uh, And I think it might be, but uh, I don't know. I think the good quality directors, and there's a fair few that are not good quality, but people who really try and make a difference do feel very much like the private investors. The sentiment shifts. And so, and I've I've learned over the years to say, okay, how am I how am I feeling as an investor with a, a proposition, uh, and and the markets and so on. And at the moment, you know, uh, if I would say I'm disappointed, you know, with with the, the share price performance of power. And as an investor. In power, I'm questioning the business model and why they're doing certain things. Why did that they do that deal today with Kavango? You know, why did they then back a project? Were they not happy with it? Uh, are they uh, are they uh, running out of money? All these different things that people raise, and uh, also sentiment on the markets. You know, is it ever going to improve and all that kind of thing? And then I have to say, right, that's my emotional side. What now, taking my experience as a contrarian from a contrarian viewpoint, what does this mean? Well, if I'm upset and disappointed and worried about things and questioning everything, it's a very good sign from an investor's perspective. Uh, Because the moment I'm happy with everything and I think I'm a master of the universe, the moment companies are doing things and the share prices are going up no matter what, and I'm not questioning anything. That's, that's the other end of the spectrum. You're doing great. You've got a big kind of share portfolio. It's going up all the time. That's the moment you need to worry, ironically, not now. So uh, it, it's, it's quite an interesting pathway, and I, and, I, and I know quite a few directors in the business. Uh, some of them are better than others. And the good, the good ones that are trying to make a difference for shareholders are feeling the pain too. I can assure you of that.
0: Yeah, and I suppose you're you're feeling responsible for other people's money, and you're probably thinking it's it's like your own money that you're using investors' money. So you're being responsible for your own money and other people's money, and I suppose that's that's down to your ethics um, because if they lose, you lose; if you win, they win, and you're treating their their money the same as your own money.
1: Yeah, I, I the. My experiences as a director, I've, I've enjoyed when we used to do it quite regularly, the face-to-face communications with investors. We used to do investor events. I remember the Mining Maven events in the counting house in London where you'd be doing a presentation and the investor, uh, investors would be sat like a, a metre away uh, all the way to the back of the room and you'd face that bear pit type situation. I do like that. I like the fact that people are trying to change their lives and do something know different with their lives the resource sector saved me dramatically in 2008 early nine my portfolio was smashed and uh, lots of things were going wrong in my life and i was able to focus on the resource sector and make some you know decent returns from it and i've done i've done okay i'm being punished at the moment of course you know for holding these shares like everyone else but i'm still in a very fortunate position and i think uh, there is a great opportunity for us all going forward. I, I'm, I get accused of an awful lot of things. Quite uh, su- surprisingly, recently, the, uh, I, I did the UK Investor Magazine show uh, in uh, in London, and uh, one investor came up and said, you know, I haven't previously invested in Power Metal because I thought you were too slick. <laughs> like I can tell you, Rob, I've never been accused of being too slick in my life. <laughs> I took that as a compliment. I was almost prepared to say, look, don't worry about investing. Just keep on calling. And I'm far from it. I'm not a great networker in these events. I don't, you know, apart from like private investors who I do like to talk to, I don't like to go to city events and uh, bump gums with people who don't care about you. And they're just trying to get your business. And, uh, I, 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 I just like this side of, of life. I think it's great. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's difficult if you're going to push out and try and do something special, you're going to attract an awful lot of criticism for it. Uh, the, the market's made up of a lot of things, including uh, elements that people don't really understand. There's a lot of shorting in the uh, financial markets. Uh, you'll notice when people are short because you'll see on bulletin boards, and uh, they tend to be more on bulletin boards than social media, where the shorts who pull up negative comments get instantly attacked. You see see a deluge of negative comments about a company. So someone who's short goes and pays people to go and attack a company publicly. You see that quite a lot. And at times like this, you'll see quite a bit of it because, you know, shorts uh, shorts are where people sell shares they don't own already. uh, In the hope of buying back cheaper, either in the markets or through financings. Uh, so, uh, you know, the times like this is, is, is quite a, a negative backdrop and people are particularly worried, but I have great admiration for people prepared to risk the capital and to try and make a better life for themselves. I, I, I do wish people would, you know, focus a bit more on the markets that they operate in and on the companies and really do, you know, research. I love it when people get in touch because it shows they're going the extra mile trying to find out more. Uh, I suppose. Inevitably, there's a lot of money to be made by experienced investors out of inexperience, you know. So when something goes up 25 times, you've got to be very careful about whether it's a buy or a hold. You know, it's probably a sell. Yet that's when most people are super enthusiastic. You know, my share at the moment is uh, 0.8, so market cap, I don't know, 12 or so million kind of level and uh, it's it's probably seen by many as a failure and they won't want to touch it. Now, we go up 10 times to 8p, and then suddenly (laughs) we're seen as a success and a one-way ticket. And, you know, we may well do a lot more than that, Uh, but you've got to question yourself at that level as to whether it's the right time to invest. And so I would ideally love people to spend a bit more time uh, optimising their chance of success by learning about where they operate. but ultimately, yes. Long waffly answer. Uh, yeah, I, I often say Gladys in Glasgow, Bert in Birmingham. The people that put five hundred quid into something, they're my people, and they're yeah. they're, they're the people I want to, you know, ten bag the stock for because then they they take a small investment into something that in their lives is material, and can they can reinvest and maybe go to the stars, you know, uh, or they can uh, they can take it and go and do something nice with their lives, which is great too.
0: Yeah. Um so as a conclusion what's the sort of outlook for power pa- metal resources over the remainder of this year going into next year um and i suppose also why would someone who may be looking to invest in the uh, in the sector look at power metal resources
1: okay well we are, we we are a uh, diversified play uh, a mineral resources house i suppose across the uh, precious and strategic uh, metals and energy metal with uranium, where uh, mm. so people buying our shares have a good wide exposure. I certainly wouldn't suggest they buy our shares in isolation to the chagrin of every other investment opportunity. We need to be part of a portfolio. People need to balance their risk because uh, we, the, we are a single point of failure in the sense that you know any company is, uh, one company is only one company. But uh, we've tried to reduce our risk as best we can with that diversification. There will be a strong news flow, I trust, in terms of crystallization of elements of our portfolio and building of our balance sheet, so the value of the business. We're heading towards, all being well, uh, a, a distribution policy. So we're putting in place the steps that we need to enable us to pay dividends in the future, because not all of our capital we expect or hope will need to be retained by the business, but can be distributed to investor shareholders. We're starting to focus on a number of acutely important areas, which is uranium is one of them. And uh, in addition to that, there are certain projects, Malopo Farms, Tati, Goldfields in in Botswana, that we are really kind of uh, going to be focusing on and uh, more news flow will come out from them to the market. Uh, and really, uh, I suppose uh, no one is guaranteed in our business. You know, I, I'm a reasonably experienced director. There's plenty more experience uh, in, in others out there. But I've seen a quite a large number of companies, uh, and I've been involved with restructuring, refinancing, and operating many companies in London, uh, in the 20s of companies. Uh, so I've seen lots of different scenarios. And I suppose that experience of... Different companies and different markets can be quite advantageous to the, uh, you know, to the investors out there who are who are hoping that the management team can lead a company to success. We're probably positioned at the best time in the markets that we could be, I think, uh, in our space, uh, in ultimate misery, maximum negativity, ultimate pessimism, all these kind of things. I can't do anything right at the moment in many investors' eyes. You know, everything that I do, they're going, whoa, you know, if I... If I release a, an acquisition, they go, oh God, why is he acquiring more? If I uh, if I re- uh, release a disposal, they're like, oh, doesn't he like it? <laughs> you know, if I if I have a project which hasn't had much news flow, they go, oh, when is he ever going to talk about that? If I release an update on something, they go, oh, well, the share price hasn't moved; it must be rubbish. And so, uh, I'm yet to find in recent times an announcement where people go, holy cow, that's a good one. Uh, today's announcement is, by the way, uh, just for a clue, that's the Kavango uh, disposal. It's one of those beautiful Kavango disposal, Kanye Resources Disposal to Kavango. Uh, it's one of those announcements where uh, if both uh, both companies benefit, because Kavango gets back 100% of its projects and power, gets a big exposure to the equity of Kavango. Uh, I've spent time in my forensic accountancy life as a chartered loss adjuster. And I remember early days, Rob. I was there speaking to my boss and saying, "You know, I do business interruption claims. I ha- you know, factories have fires, and I have to work out what the loss of profits claim is. What's the best solution? You know, where is the, the what amount is right when you're trying to settle someone's insurance claim?" And he said to me, "He said, if you feel slightly uncomfortable about the settlement that you've given uh, to the to this uh, insured party." And the insured party feels slightly uncomfortable about the settlement they've received, that's exactly where you need to be. And, uh, you know, it, it, good quality deals benefit both sides, whether it's an acquisition or whether it's the disposal or anything else. And I think uh, we, we've, we've built a bit of a reputation in our business for doing fair deals, reasonable deals, and quite cute and clever deals. Seriously, going back again. And I I quote these two examples because they are the best in my working experience where we've had massive success and we've had the most cynicism. Greatland Gold, £150,000 of Metal Tiger money into Greatland at 0.1. I was lambasted for that deal. How can you waste shareholders' money on a moribund dead vehicle? Well, our company benefited dramatically thereafter because of the rampant success of the Greatland Gold share price. Because it's not just about getting in and buying equity. You've got to have confidence that that equity for various reasons now and in the near future can deliver. And uh, on the, uh, uh, the uh, Kalahari copper belt deal I did with Metal Tiger back in 15, why are you investing in the desert, you know, in a, in a, a hit and hope type scenario uh, with, with a joint venture with MOD resources? Well, it's because we knew – It's large amounts about the project areas. MOD had been working on them for years. The only thing they had lacking was a bit of capital to do the original deal that Metal Tiger provided. There's uh, Oftentimes, you can't fully articulate in an announcement why you've done something. If you did, it would go on for pages and pages and pages. The Kavango deal today would go on for tens of pages as to why we've done this deal. But there is a detailed, distinct, and focused rationale behind all the deals that we do. And some of them will pay off and some of them won't, I'm sure. But uh, if I'm doing 10 deals, uh, for me to be a rampant success as a business, I only have to get one or two of them right. You know, literally, that's the space we're in. And get one or two of them right, massive returns. If I can get three or four of them right, we're, we're going to be laughing, you know. Uh, so uh, I, it, it's a fascinating time, and I think we're, we're quite excited and buzzy about the future.
0: Well, great talking to you as always. Um, really appreciate your time. Give us an, uh, give us some, an um, update on Power Metal Resources. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, uh, that could be uh, obviously potential investors, but just anyone else within our mining industry. Um, how can they go about um, getting in contact with you?
1: Yeah, they can send an email to info at powermetalresources dot com, but. Crazily, perhaps, they can also go to our market and news announcements. And at the bottom in the contact us section is my mobile phone number. Okay, whether we're a small company, which we are at the moment, or a mega company, that number is going to stay on there. <laughs> and uh, people can send me a message and get in touch. You know, it, I, I don't care if you've got a million pounds invested in something or whether you've got 500 quid invested. It's all it, from a biblical uh, kind of uh, evangelical days as a youngster, I was always taught about the widow's mite story. You know where the the widow goes in and puts a very small amount of money into the uh, collection pot and gets criticised by the priest about it. Then the priest gets reminded that that very small amount of money was everything that poor lady had you know, just because you're a small investor with a small amount of money doesn't mean it's not material to you. So if you want to get in touch and talk about the company, then you let me know. There are times when it's incredibly busy, well, very often, and I might be a little bit slow, but I endeavor to get back in touch with everybody in some form. And, you know, as we grow and develop as a business, it'll get crazier and it might get a little bit more difficult to do that. But at the moment, I'm just about managing to keep up. So yeah, please send me a line.
0: Yeah. And I know you're on obviously many social media channels as well. I know you're on Twitter and maybe some others. So um, obviously we can put, include those in the show notes, this anyway. So um, Paul, okay. really appreciate your time. And um, appreciate obviously sharing the, your journey, your insights, and um, obviously wish you well in your success moving forward. I know um, obviously we, we speak, we speak often. So I know you're really hard at work, and a lot, and obviously, we, there's just a little bump in the market at the moment. But I'm sure that will turn around very soon, and um, and I'm sure you'll have a, a few more acquisitions in the in the pipeline over the coming uh, rest of this year and next year. So, wish you well in your um, endeavors. Thank you, Rob. No worries, and those for listening, hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, please pass this, uh, share this episode with friends, family um in whether you're in the industry or whether you're not in the industry um if you're looking to maybe invest in the the stock market um the resources industry is i think a, a sector um that not many people are speaking about at the moment but i'm sure they will be over the coming years so um appreciate your continued support and until next time happy mining thank you for listening